Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Tots Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Guys, thank you so much for listening and all of your support. After last season, I, I know I've got some big shoes to fill. I've got a lot to top. We had an astronaut. I came out about having Tourette's. We had so many different incredible guests, and they all shared their super interesting stories. That's going to be a lot to top for this season, but I think we're going to do it. And the best way that I know how to do that is to have really, really awesome guests on. And we're going to start out strong. We're going to have Kurt Lewis right here, right now, Secret Service agent. And he's going to tell me more about his experience being a Secret Service agent. But before we get to that, I just want to say again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for supporting me and allowing me to do what I love to do, which is this podcasting. So guys, without further ado, I am going to older Ben uh, in the past is going to intro Kurt and we're going to get right into it. Just a little disclaimer. The reason why some of the events in this podcast are going to seem a little bit off is because we filmed this five months ago. We had a different president and and different representatives and different things were happening and there were different threats going on. The world was a very different place five months ago than it is right now. So just keep that in mind as you listen. Events have changed. Facts have changed. Everything is gotten all jumbled up. So if something seems a little weird or we're talking about something and you're like, what are they talking about? Five months ago, we had to go through an approval process with the Secret Service. I'm really glad that they have that to make sure that we don't leak any information that's not supposed to be out there, but that is why it's delayed. And then by the time we were ready to post, it was already the end of season two. Now we're here in season three. We're gonna start it off strong. Older Ben, in the past, take it away. Hello and welcome to another episode of TOTS. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have Kurt Lewis with us. He is a Secret Service agent. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ben. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. Well, I'm a special agent with the United States Secret Service. Um, currently, I'm assigned to the Special Operations Division, and my uh, title is Assistant uh, Special Agent in Charge, and uh, my responsibilities are the counter-assault team. Basically, I'm in charge of the counter-assault team. And what does the counter-assault team do? Like, what, what are they sent out on? The counter-assault team is uh, responsible for the uh, physical protection of the President of the United States and uh, sometimes the Vice President of the United States uh, and others, depends on what the task is. Um, so basically, they're the tactical team that's assigned to the President. Cool. And so how did your career with the Secret Service start? Well, I was a police officer in Charleston, South Carolina, and I uh, worked for the Charleston County Sheriff's Office. And um, I worked uh, a couple of cases with some Secret Service agents. And after talking to them, um, I just decided that was, that was what I wanted to do. They were just really exceptional individuals. Um, one happened to be one of the first uh, agents on the counter-assault team, which really? uh, is, just happens to be where I'm at now. Sure. Um, and uh, they talked about traveling the world, and, uh, and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to travel the world. I want to see everything that I can. I was a history major in college, and uh, I just, it just sparked my interest. And, um, you know, being in law enforcement, um, uh, I was, had a background. I was in the Marine Corps for a while, and uh, it was just something that, uh, that sounded really cool to me. And the investigations that were, they were doing at the time uh, was some bank fraud stuff. Um, really, it sounded pretty cool, and I got to do some of the investigations with them. Um, and I just decided that's what I wanted to do. I 
you know, and literally I have been all around the world. So it's been a great career. That's awesome. Do you know how many like countries that you've actually visited? You know, I haven't, uh, I haven't, uh, added them all up, but it's been a lot. The, um, I haven't been to Australia, but I've been okay. to New Zealand. So that's on the bucket list. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, although if I was going that far, I might want to go back to New Zealand because New Zealand is gorgeous. Really? It is just, it's beautiful. I mean, you've, uh, have you ever seen Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Of course you yep. have, right? <laughs> it, uh, we landed, um, in uh, Christchurch, which is, uh, on the coast mm-hmm. and, uh, they had to take download the, the cars from the planes and put them onto smaller planes, C-130s, and they flew them up into the mountains. And so, uh, and we were going to uh, Queenstown, which is where they do all the X Games and all that stuff way back in the day. Yeah. And so they uh, flew all of the cars up there, but they didn't have room for us. So after <laughs> flying 32 hours, we got another eight-hour bus trip uh all the way through up into the mountains. So we got eight hours of driving through and just (laughs) seeing just some phenomenal, phenomenal um, scenery. It was outstanding. One of the best trips I've ever done. Got the bungee jump when I was there. Um, It just was, it was really, it was just a lot of fun. Um, So uh, anyway, getting back to your question, um, I haven't added them all up. I've been to 49 states. Okay. So I'm missing North Dakota. It so. doesn't exist though, so, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I can check that box soon. Yeah, I honestly, I think I've met one person from North Dakota, and it was <laughs> it was a weird interaction too because I was at school and this guy just came up to me and struck up a conversation like no one does anymore, and we were just talking and he was like, "Where are you from?" and I was like, "You know, Annapolis, Maryland." It's like, "Where are you from?" He's like, "North Dakota." It's like okay and like the conversation ended like very quickly after that so right. i i don't think north dakota is real well i think they have a lot of good um pheasant hunting and i think there's a lot of fracking and that's about all that i know about north dakota that's, unfortunately yeah. so i think probably all the people that like say they're from north dakota probably just live in like south dakota and they just like drive over to pheasant hunt and frack <laughs> so you've been a lot of really really cool places in your career right. what do you think is the coolest place that you've been or the coolest thing that you've done the coolest thing that I've done or the coolest places that I've been? I think those are two really separate separate questions. All right, we, um, can, we can separate them. So I think the coolest place that I've been, like I said, uh, going to New Zealand was, um, it was just gorgeous. I mean, yeah. I, I just really had a good time. Um, I lived in uh, uh, Germany, Frankfurt, Germany for four years. So I was able to travel um, extensively throughout Europe. Um, and I absolutely loved it. I loved Germany. I loved... Uh, Poland, um, the Czech Republic, the Slovak Republic of all places. Uh, I spent a lot of time at Bratislava. I uh, have some good friends there. Um, let's see, uh, Georgia. I spent a lot of time in the Caucasus, uh, Georgia, Azerbaijan, Armenia. Um, it's very interesting. You have to, uh, I had two different diplomatic passports when I was there. Really? Um, you can't, Azerbaijan and Armenia are technically still at war. So being, traveling from... Okay. Georgia, you couldn't necessarily go to um, uh, one of the other countries with one of the other countries' pass or stamps in there. Sure. So in other words, I had one that I went to Georgia and one uh, in that Georgia and Azerbaijan, and right. then I had another one that it was solely used for uh, Armenia. That's really interesting. So yeah. how long have they been at war? Do you know? I don't know. It's, it's been. It's, it's one been of those a, wars. Yeah, it's like it's one of those things that. 
I think that they say that they're still at war. There's some border skirmishes every now and again. I haven't followed them lately, but um, it's just a very interesting, very interesting dynamic. Sure. Yeah. And so what's the coolest thing that you've ever done? It's that you can so, talk about. No, it's it's uh, it's so hard to say because um, uh, I think traveling throughout Europe uh, was really cool. Meeting some uh, exceptional people. Um, I think being at the White House. I mean, every time I go to the White House, uh, I'm still. I mean, I was uh, I was there on the president's detail twice, um, and it just I, I still. It's not lost on me every every time that I go there that this is where I'm at. I'm at I'm at the White House, you know, uh, the yeah. history especially, um, walking all around there, um, everywhere in the White House. It's just that's really cool. Um, I've ridden on Air Force One. A lot of people ask me about what that's like. Uh, I've uh, ridden on Marine One, which is really cool. Um, so not every Secret Service agent gets to do that. Right. Um, Air Force Two. So I, I think it's just. Um, I, it, it's hard to say one thing that's the coolest thing sure. because every day that I go to work, something's different. And I think that's what I love about my job so much is that you never know what's, what's coming next. Yeah. So you would say that's probably your favorite part about the job is that it's never like the same thing every day. Absolutely. Um, you know, I was on uh, President Bush's detail, um, did that for about four years. I was on the um, um, President Obama's detail. I did that for about four years. And, uh, it just, you know, you're, you know, one day you're golfing in uh, Hawaii, right. With the president. And then the yeah. next day, you know, you could be in Des Moines, Iowa, uh, or wherever. Right. I mean, it just, you just never know where you're going to go and what you're going to do. Yeah. That's awesome. It's great. And so we've known each other for, for a while, uh, yeah, about six years or so. Bit. Yeah. 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 I'm sure there's a record of that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think another really cool thing that, that you've done is you were actually with the department that handles the beast. Yes. So yeah. what was that like and, and what was your job position? So after I left the president's detail um, the second time, um, I was assigned uh, as a supervisor over the um, uh, two different sections, the, or three different sections. The, uh, it, it's called the Special Services Division, and they um, were in charge of all the president's uh, vehicles, basically. The armored fleet. Mm -hmm. um, we used to call it the black fleet because all the cars were black. Um, but it's a um, the the armored what you would call the beast. It's the it's actually a parade limousine, um, and all of the uh, the follow ups, the cars that um, where the shift was when I when I was on the president's detail, I would ride in, um, and then all the operation section. I handled that. Uh, everywhere the president goes, whether it's domestically or foreign, we take our own cars and we take our own mechanics. Um, so I was in charge of all the mechanics. And let me tell you what, those guys are exceptional people. You think I'm it's sure. cool to be a NASCAR <laughs> mechanic? Try being on um, one of the few mechanics for the, on the president's, um, uh, on the special services division that handle the president's vehicles. It's, um, it's really cool. Those guys aren't just mechanics. Those guys are part of our emergency operations um, or our emergency action uh, um, detail, if you will, not uh, um, for the presidential motorcade. Sure. So they are armed officers as well as fantastic mechanics. They have a full wow. scope polygraph just like I do. Um, they're just uh, outstanding individuals. And the stuff that they do, they keep those cars running 
everywhere, all over. Sometimes it's duct tape and a little can, a uh, little paint, but uh, they, <laughs> they keep things going. So it's it's uh, it's an interesting job. And then the other thing that I did was the armor development. So as they develop the new uh, armored beast, if you will, uh, the new one that's out there, I got to have a little input on that, which was uh, nice. uh, very small. But it, it was just uh, it was a lot of fun to see that develop from you know plans and go all the way through when that's a whole classified project that um you know working with the armor companies and gm and uh got to drive it around the gm test track you know before it was you know before they shipped it to us so i mean it was really it's it's a cool cool section that um and i think you know we went out there i took you and your family out there and got the tour of that um it's just, uh, it's really neat that the whole place is temperature controlled. So, um, you know, the armor is very fickle, if you will, and uh, doesn't handle uh, changes in temperature too much. So yep. you go in there, it's a standard 70 degrees uh, year round. Um, it's just, uh, it's really cool. It's a really very cool, cool place, place to work. Yeah. And I mean, I'm like thinking back on, on that visit too. There were so many things like the temperature control that I thought were just like, nice little touches at least for i didn't know it had anything to do with the armor but it was just right. kind of nice because we walked in and it was like the middle of winter i have like a sweater on and jeans and i walk in and all the guys in there are like in shorts and like short sleeve shirts and i'm like well oh. i don't know about shorts i think you might have been mistaken about oh. that but <laughs> yes they had <laughs> short sleeve shirts and khakis and yeah i mean that's it's year round because of the and it's all has to do with uh, the armor specifically the glass armor yeah you know, so very cool. And I mean, too, like, I think the mechanics, that whole aspect is, is really interesting because you have people and you're like, okay, we're going to train you to be an officer. You need to have all of this specialized training, but then also you need to be able to keep these cars running no matter what. And no right. matter what country we're in, no matter what conditions, they have to run. And then uh, during the motorcades, wherever they are, they're a part of that um, EA package, emergency action package, if you will. Yeah. So they have a specific role to play. And it's uh, um, they're, they're, they're exceptional individuals. And uh, it was great to have the chance to work with those guys. Um, and I learned a lot. And that's where I started uh, getting a little uh, brave to uh, uh, work on my vehicles at home. There so, you go, which right? Is, yeah, <laughs> I'm not any good at it, but it's fun. So it's just safe to assume that all of your personal vehicles are like heavily armored. (laughs) No, 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 no. Those are very, very expensive, expensive, um, um, vehicles. Yeah. Maybe one day. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So your job is also a very high stress job and, and most secret service positions I would assume are, how do you guys handle that stress and, and how do you handle potential threats with, you know, trying to be calm and, and to assess everything? Well, a lot of it, um, I, I was going to say the first thing that is, is the important thing is uh, uh, training. But I think the most important thing, at least for me, is family. Um, I've got a strong um, uh, wife and um, my kids are great. And it's just to have that support to do what I do um, is great. I mean, it's just that that's that's the big part that helps. Um, and the second part is training. I think the, um, you know, ever since the, we began, um, way back when 20 some (laughs) years ago, um, it's been, uh, they, they've trained us for this specific job and, and, and we go out there and we do, um, uh, a lot of advanced work. So we don't have to get into some of the emergency actions that we train for all the time. Sure. So, 
So a lot of it is is preventative to make Absolutely. sure that you don't have to get in that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's uh, we rely heavily on the advance. So wherever the president goes or vice president goes, um, we'll go out a week, two weeks earlier, depends on where it is. And uh, we'll, we'll send an advance team. And we have, you know, we could have one or two people just for the airport, um, one or two people just for an individual site. Um, and then you have a lead. You've got, you've got people from uh, not just with the Secret Service, but you've got the White House military office, uh, the White House medical unit, which falls under the White House military office, uh, the, the White House communications agency who handles all the radio communications. Um, you'll have, if there's going to be a lift, you'll have the Marine Corps, uh, HMX there, uh, Air Force One. Um, they'll do an advance. Um, so it's a, it's a huge package that goes out. And when we come to town, we really come to town and yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're there for a week or two weeks before. And then, you know, the car plane comes in and I said car plane, it's a, like a C-17 or C-5 that brings our vehicles in mm-hmm. and other, you know, guys like, uh, the counter assault team will come in, the counter sniper team. Got, those guys will come in a few days before. Then they'll get briefings on everything that's going on. And then you'll have, uh, you know, the actual visit. So all that stuff happens before. Uh, so it's it's not um, um, it's not a last minute thing. So we, we do um, try to do a lot around prevention. Sure. So, and it seems to work for us. So Yeah. And I mean, that training too... Uh for, for those people who don't know, cause I haven't put it out, but we've done a couple workouts together and, and, um, they're, they're impossible. They're, they're impossible. No, no, no. Um, but you guys are, you're trained really well in, in a lot of different aspects. And I'm sure there's a mental part of that as well, but also physically you guys have to be at the top of your game. Like what, what kind of qualifications do you have to have to join the secret service and to be on like the counter assault team? So we have, those are all, uh, just to get hired, There's it's a little bit different um, than the counter assault team. The counter assault team is, uh, uh, you have to meet the minimum standards uh, uh, for the physical fitness test. Um, you have to score excellent in every category, whereas to get hired, you don't necessarily have to score ex- excellent. There's a certain criteria now with, uh, you've got a mile and a half run, you've got push-ups, you've got sit-ups, you've got pull-ups, uh, things like that. And you have to score uh, a specific score on each one. I, I can't tell you what those are right now. It's, sure. it's changed over the years. Um, I can just tell you that I, I, I have always been in the excellent as well as the guys in the counter cell team have always been an excellent. They, they take their physical fitness extremely, uh, extremely um, uh, seriously. Yeah. Um, and just this year, we had a contract with a company um, called In Extremist Performance, and that's the, the workouts that we were doing uh, to provide several different workouts for those guys when they're on the road, they don't have any equipment or they're at home during this COVID time and they might not have uh, anything but a couple of dumbbells, maybe a pull-up bar, some kettlebells, things like that. Or if they can actually get to the gym. So if they go to work, we actually have a gym there. So they give three different type of workouts for the guys. Um, and it's more than just workouts. It's a, it's physical training. Um, so we're, we're vested in the guys and, and, and keeping those guys, uh, uninjured if you will um so there's a uh, about 50 percent of the um uh, injuries that come with law enforcement physical or physical fitness sure. have to do with um just injuries ha- that could be prevented right yeah and the 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 stuff that we're doing has a lot of speed agility strength it's all mixed together um and it's uh it, and if i can keep my guys healthy and uh, on the job 
um, then that gives them more time off and more time that they get in the game. When guys blow out a knee or something like that, they're, they're extremely frustrated, you know, because that's, that's time that they have to be on the bench and, uh, and heal, you know, yeah. when they'd rather be working. Sure. So what is the most challenging part, do you think, about what you do specifically? Um, challenging about what I do. It's very hard to say because I, uh, all right, I, my commute, <laughs> my commute's horrible. My commute's, uh, I mean, it's, be, it's pre COVID times. So. It was, you know, it's, it's an hour and a half, two hours every day, each way. So I Jeez. think that's the thing that's really, that's really aggravating. Um, but other than that, um, it, it's not so much the challenging part of it is it's just, uh, the, the individuals that I work with are um, they're just a, a cut above and they're all highly motivated, totally dedicated. Um, and it's just, it's very easy to manage people, um, that are, that have that mentality, type A personalities that just want to do a good job and yeah. want to be in the best, uh, physical and mental preparation state that they can be in for the job. Um, so I think the hardest part of my job is to reel those guys back in. Sometimes they, yep. they kind of. You know, they just got to, you just got to pull them in a little bit and say, all right, look, let's, all right, I, let's, let's just slow it down. We're going to do this. I, I get it, but we're not all going to have flying helicopters and uh, aircraft carriers and all this other stuff. Let's, or flying aircraft carriers, as we like to joke. But anyway, um, so we'll, you know, that's probably the hardest, honestly, uh, yeah. because the, those guys are just, um, it, it, they just love going to work. Yeah. You know, so it's easy to manage people like that, you know, and the supervisors I have are all, you know, there's no discipline problems. It's just, you know, they're just, they just love what they do. That's awesome. And I think too, like, it's really telling that the most challenging part of your job is, is driving to work. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, you guys protect a lot of really important people. And so to know that, you know, internally, like things are set and you guys are killing it basically. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's awesome. I think the, um, I mean, if, if I could change some things, obviously, um, I think I would add uh, a lot more training. That's always been a complaint for us. The operational yeah. tempo, um, whether it's the president, vice president, or you know wherever, um, uh, whoever that we're protecting, um, we, we we just don't get enough training as much as we'd like to get. We'd have some outstanding training. Trust yeah. me, our special operations training section is fantastic. Um, we have special agents out there that have done what we, we do. I, in fact, I used to work out there for a little bit. And then we have uh, guys that are former law enforcement and former special operators from op, um, Army, Navy, whatever, mm. that are, are instructors out there and specialize in things like CQB and uh, individual element tactics, stuff like that that we do. So um, I just wish we could have a little bit more. I thought when this COVID hit, and nobody was traveling, things were going to be great. Yeah. But then training shut down. So we weren't traveling, but then we weren't training. So it was kind of, you know, now we're back. We're full bore. We've got a class going on right now. We're in the fifth week of our uh, seven-week uh, basic course for the counter-assault team. Um, and then we're going to have another selection and after that. And then we're going to have another um, uh, uh, basic class. Uh, so we're getting back on track. And then as well as the guys that are working now, we're, they're just they're going out to training when they're not traveling and we've got the campaign started so we've got uh um you know former vice president biden who's uh now the democratic nominee we've got mm -hmm. protection for him so as well as the president and vice president so we're we're tapped out right now but it's sure. it's good the guys nobody's complaining everybody's happy and uh 
uh, you know, we'll see what happens in November. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So are things going to start to slow down in November or do they continue to ramp up? So it depends. I mean, if, uh, if Vice President Biden wins, uh, then we'll have uh, a transition time where um, you've, you've got two, two, basically two presidents, right? You've got a president-elect yeah. and a current president and to have protection on both of them. So it's, it gets a little tight. Um, so um, if, uh, if President Trump gets reelected, you know, things will kind of get back to normal and then we'll, you know, it, whatever normal is. I mean, it's always different with each president, right? Sure. And how do you, so you said you'd like to make changes in terms of like training and things like that. Do you see that happening in the future where you guys will have more resources to do that? Or is it, is it a budgetary thing? So, uh, we've been very fortunate this year. Um, uh, I can't talk about our numbers with our budget, but sure. we've been very fortunate to receive uh, a lot of extra funding and we're able to uh, replace some things, some gear that we have, life cycle replacement costs. That, uh, so we're really at the point now where we're really in good shape for gear, uh, uniforms, just uh, weapons and all the stuff that goes with, with weapons and stuff, body armor, all that stuff. It's, it's, we're in a great place. Um, it's just a matter of uh, having the uh, personnel, having the numbers for the personnel so we can then do more training and get out and sure. um, do some outside training as well. There's a lot of different special operations unit, law enforcement units that we'd like to train with. Um, but just right now, it's it's tough uh, with number one with COVID and then obviously the, the presidential um, election. But I think in January, things will start to get back to normal, whoever's the president, right. uh, and we'll be able to start doing some of those things again, which is good. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned COVID a couple of times. How has that really changed your role and, and how is the Secret Service adapting to that? Well, for me, it's great because I'm able to telework sometimes. So it's, you know, I don't, <laughs> don't, I don't have to commute, that right? Commute. Yep. But, um, uh, and then we're, we operate on, you know, having some um, uh, teamwork meetings, you know, um, like Zoom meetings or whatever um, that we're able to do. Um, so that, that's, that's able to make things a little bit better for me. Um, uh, the difficult thing is to try to keep uh, our teams separate from other individuals like uh, the guys over at the White House. Um, we're doing, uh, we call it a push when you have one team change or one shift change to the next shift. Mm -hmm. um, so the afternoon shift gets pushed by the midnight shift, right? So it's a change in, in that shift. Uh, we're doing a lot of that. It's a, a lot of virtual high fives at the White House. It's like, you know, <laughs> so we're, we're kind of staying away from each other. Every, you know, everybody's masked up, uh, things like that. So I think that's kind of the, the, the tough part in trying to keep those, those in the, within those teams, have those individuals, the same guys working every single, you know, day. So we're not intermixing uh, right. within the team, right? Um, but that's the difficult thing right now is with the travel that's going on, we just can't do that anymore. So we're having to mix things up. And, and then if somebody goes out and they get exposed or they get, um, you know, actually get COVID, we've had a couple of guys get COVID, then they have to self-monitor or self-quarantine or whatever the term is now. Sure. Yeah. So that's the hard part, I think. Right. But we're adapting and everybody seems to be just doing the right thing. You know, we, we really haven't had many... Uh, many guys get uh, test positive, and those that have have bounced right back. Mm -hmm. So it's that's been good. Yeah. So how often does the Secret Service have to deal with threats, or or what you can tell me? Every single day. Every day. Every day. 
Wow. We, we have a, um, um, a division solely uh, dedicated to protective intelligence. Uh, and by protective intelligence, I mean people who want to do harm, threats against the president, um, and they do um, every, um, every field office out there, uh, every agent that's uh, ever been out there uh, in, a, in a field office, which is just about everybody, is, uh, has done some sort of protective intelligence um, investigation. So it's, there's, there's constantly, every single day, a threat against people that you're protecting or the White House. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we, and that's the thing is uh, the the White House is a uh, it's a it's a symbol, right? And it's uh, it seems to be a gathering place for individuals who want to come, and um, they may be wanting to come and do harm. But it may be something simple as you have an individual, like I remember an individual came and uh, we call him a gate caller because he walks up to the gate and um, he uh, does, you know, whatever he said. And this individual said that he was the president's brother and uh, he wanted to come in and take a shower. Oh, good. Right. So uh, obviously we didn't let him do that. And you we okay. interviewed him to see if there was any, um, you know, threat threatening uh, stuff there but there wasn't so was it like w was he just joking around or was he no like mentally... uh yes he had some uh, um, um um mental issues okay because immediately when you said that i was like okay it's either comedian or someone who has some stuff going on that that you don't know about <laughs> right i mean there's no there's there's a lot of uh, I mean, you take the, the shooting happened outside the, the White House the other day, right um, Right there at uh, 17th Street in, in Pennsylvania. Um, that individual um, said that he had a gun and uh, uh, threatened the officer. Um, it's that kind of stuff that happens all the time. We'll have people that show up, and it could be something as, um, you know, an officer spots somebody with a gun, and they go over there, and it happens to be an off-duty police officer from... Uh, somewhere else, another state or whatever, right. and, they, and he just happened to come come in. We've had that before, where guys come in and well, they had holsters and they left all their stuff in the car because they knew they weren't supposed to have it. Right. And for police officers, right? But you know, you're, you're leaving it in the car, and we've had other people that have come and have scouted out the um, uh, the White House and where we've gone and picked up. And that's one of the things that I think that the Secret Service does really well. It's it's those uh, social clues, if you will, that you can pick up and pe see people that stand out that just aren't right. Um, follow them back to their car and uh, you're go, go and interview them. Hey, do you mind if we take a look at your car? Sure, absolutely. Can I go back and look at the car? They're from out of state and they've got guns and, and you know other weapons and stuff in there. Jeez. That stuff happens all the time. And the uniform division is around the White House and the vice president's house every single day. Yeah. Um, and they come across that stuff as a matter of routine. Unfortunately, it's, uh, um, it's just, you know, the symbol of the White House for whatever reason. Um, uh, and whoever's in, it, it's not just this president or the last president or whatever. Right. It's, it's all of the presidents. Um, just seems to draw those type of individuals out. So, and sure. we have to go and we take every threat um, very seriously. Yeah. I, I mean, as you should, too. That's, I think from my perspective too, like the shooting that just happened um, on 17th street and mm -hmm. they pulled the president out of a press conference. Right. For me, that was kind of like an in-depth look at what goes on behind closed doors with the secret service, because it's like, 
it was really interesting because he was giving a press conference. And right. so normally if something like that happened and you guys pulled him out, we would never know. And I'm sure you guys have stuff like that happen often. But I think the press got to see, like, okay, there's a threat, and they neutralized it, and they get the president out, and then he's gone. And he's, right. He's safe. And that was, that was something that happened very um, uh, close by to where he was. Um, obviously, you can see through the windows, right, where, you know, um, where, where that was. And yeah. uh, that happened to be a good friend of mine that, that walked in. And um, uh, I won't say his name, but uh, it, it's just a phenomenal individual. And uh, uh, I thought did handled that extremely well he and he just walked in and said sir we need to step out um and he didn't embarrass the president um just they went and dealt with whatever they had to do with and he was able to go back in a few minutes later and continue on with the brief as if nothing happened right yeah. um and i i think that's the uh part of our job it's that um political sensitivity that we have to deal with all the time um Right. We'd like to put them in a lead box and control the air and the water going in. Right. <laughs> and no, nobody can nobody can uh, hurt him. Right. No um, one has access right. to the president. But yeah. he's a politician and he has to have that access to the press and the people. And that's where we have to. Um, I think we do a very good job of um, a balance. Sure. If that. So, I mean, you have to. And I think the other interesting thing, too, about um, the Secret Service and, and the White House in particular is. You know, living in D.C. for four years, every time I was at the White House, there was something going on. Yeah. I've been inside several times. There's always protesters outside. Again, doesn't matter right. what administration. Um, and I think that's also indicative of just like D.C. Like there's always a protest. It's not always, you know, it's not always rioting or whatever. Like there's a lot of protests. Um, I actually walked into one that it was a country, you know, way over in the Middle East that had come to petition um, President Trump for... Um, some sort of support in supporting them from disbanding from the main country. And it was like, it was a weird, like split country. And it was like, you know, they were just all out there, like eating hot dogs and, and chanting songs and having a good time. And I think that to me is like DC is like, there's always something going on. So you guys having to differentiate between threat or just normal DC, I think is insane. Like you guys have to be really well trained on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a, uh, I can tell you one story about uh, when I was in the Joint Operations Center. Um, I just got it promoted to go back to the president's detail. And um, one evening, and I forget exactly what the, um, the catalyst was, but there was something going on in the Middle East um, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And they had two protests going on at the same time. And we saw them converging. And the You're Israelis like, oh happened, God. the Israeli protests happened to get there right outside on the north fence line. And, you know, they had flags and cheering, chanting and whatever. Like I said, I don't remember what the catalyst was. Mm -hmm. And then from the other side, uh, you had Palest people for the Palestinians. And they got right next to each other and were screaming and yelling at each other. And there was, you talk about the thin blue line. There was just a few uniformed division officers, no riots, no hat and bat gear, nothing like that. No riot yeah. gear or whatever. They just were regular uniformed division officers and that were standing in between. And that could have been extremely bad. Yeah. And to be that officer right there in the middle of that, holding that oh line between those two, um, luckily nothing ever happened and they kind of, they all went their separate ways and everything was fine. 
but I, I just can't imagine being a uniform division officer, just being in the middle of that, you know, in a position um, that like you're, you're in charge of, of trying to make sure that nothing right. happens, and that the two the, people don't hurt each other. Right. Uh, yeah, and then you look at the civil unrest we've had. Um, uh, I just come back from vacation on that one and uh, went downtown and it was insane. The stuff that people were throwing at us, um, you know, you'd see a water bottle, you know, it's yellow so coming over and there's stuff, brown yeah. coming over and you're kind of like yeah i wonder what that is um and lemonade then, and chocolate milk right and then their pepper spray is that they were shooting at us you know that kind of stuff so it just it, uh, it it was just it was insane yeah and i think too it it's so interesting to me to see how the united states handles stuff like this um there was just a protest in some european country i can't remember but it was 100% peaceful protesting. Belarus? Belarus, I Belarus, believe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people playing guitars and singing and stuff like that. And the police were out in, like, more riot gear than I've seen in my entire life. And, and again, I lived in D.C. for four years. Right. And, and they're all lined up and, and, you know, guns drawn and all that stuff. And it's just people singing. And then I look at what's happening here and I'm like, I feel like our guys handle it, like, a lot better. And, and as much crap as, as our law enforcement probably get... It's like, you know, to see that from a completely peaceful reaction, they have complete riot gear, guns drawn, everything's ready to go. And it's just some guy in a Speedo playing a guitar, <laughs> right? Versus like over here where you guys are getting pepper sprayed and, right. and you know, shots aren't being fired. I, I just think that that's really interesting. Yeah, it's not fun. I can't imagine it would be. No. But, you know, you guys also have training and, and I'm sure you've been pepper sprayed before. And yes, yeah. not, not that it excuses anything that, that right. happens to you guys. But I think from my perspective, too, I'm, I'm glad that you guys have training that that you can deal with that. And it's not immediately a threat that's like, like, it's going to cause issues within the White House or like, oh, my God, like we're we're screwed. It's like, yep, seen it. Dealt with it before. <laughs> yeah, I just got, uh, I just received a brand new gas mask. Oh, so nice. it was nice to see that it actually worked. Unfortunately, I got a big, huge whiff of it in my eyes. I could breathe, oh, no. but my eyes were just shut. I, I, when I was a police officer, we, we first went to pepper spray um, as a non-lethal um, use of force. And to carry the pepper spray, you had to get shot with the pepper spray. Yep. And uh, I had a lieutenant who... Uh, uh, sprayed me and missed. He hit me in the chest, and that was his miss. And he decided that he was going to get me in the face as well. Okay. So for 45 minutes, I just sat there with a sprinkler in my eyes, just trying to get everything out. It was it's it's just the worst. And I and I've had uh, I've been in a couple of fights where it's been deployed, and it just sucks. I was on the SWAT team, and we've used that um, to to get people out of the house, and then you have to go in, you know. So and then you're getting hit with it the same. Right, and it and it works great. Yeah. Uh, your gas mask works great, but uh, um, back then we didn't talk about resources. We didn't have resources to get new filters. <laughs> oh, so no. after the second or third deployment, then you just start. It's just like this isn't working, and you're you're going into a house that's full of pepper spray and CS and everything, and it's just oh like I think gosh. we need new new stuff. But it's anyway, interesting it's fun. too. Yeah, because like I think two things. It's interesting because um, people carrying pepper spray has been I think for a long time, and I actually. Um, one of my friends was, was having issues and they felt like they needed to carry pepper spray. And I did a bunch of research on pepper spray and, and obviously it's being deployed all over the place by both sides right now with everything going on. Um, and I did some research and found pepper gel, which is, I'm sure you've heard of. And, and I, sticks. I think I upgraded her to, to that. I think that's an upgrade, but to me that like made so much more sense. And, and for those who don't know, pepper gel is pepper spray 
but in a gel. It's exactly what it sounds like, and it sticks to you, and there's not any blowback, which is a huge problem when you're trying to clear something. You get it's, it's right, or if you're here. in the back of a car fighting, and you're you somebody deploys pepper spray, and yeah, right, yeah, yeah definitely. Have you guys like considered using that or? Uh, well, uh, so the Secret Service does, and they right. they, they use. But um, for my my position, uh, we're not really into. Uh, the counter assault team's not really into the civil defense uh, function. Sure. Right? We're we're a, a, a light mobile uh, assault force that's uh, to divert, suppress, and neutralize an attack. Yeah. So we're not really there for the the hats and bats, if you will. Sure. So if we have to deploy, it's a very bad day. I can imagine. <laughs> so switching gears a little bit, uh, the Secret Service is also responsible for I think more than most people realize. You guys also handle all the counterfeiting and, right. and everything like that. Yep. So talk to Absolutely. me about why the Secret Service does that and, and what goes into handling that. So, uh, no, you put on your history hat, 1865, <laughs> uh, April 14th, what happened? Uh, couldn't tell you. 1865, what happened? Don't know. Okay. 1865, there was a civil war going on. Remember? Oh, It was yeah, right yeah. after that, right? Yeah, that thing. Uh, April 14th, Ford's Theater, uh, President Lincoln was shot. The last official act before he uh, went to the theater that night uh, was to sign an executive order or whatever they called it back then to uh, create the Secret Service. Um, and wow. it was to combat counterfeiting um, because counterfeiting back then was extremely rampant. I think there were like eight major banks um, plus some other minor banks and everybody was printing their own money. And the currency throughout the United States was just, you know, um, it was just... I can't give you the specifics uh, or the, sure. the the numbers, but it was uh, it was rampant. Because it wasn't it was as high tech as it is today. No, no, it's not as high tech. No, yeah. um, and uh, so they got some uh, um, some operatives, and uh, they went out and started combating uh, counterfeit. It, and it's a really interesting story. And I've I've read some of the uh, um, some of the old uh, investigations and. Uh, uh, some of the, uh, what do you call it, uh, vouchers that the guys would put in for, uh, you know, traveling on the road and having to rent a horse and do all that other stuff. And it was just, <laughs> it's, it's really, it's, it's fascinating stuff. But it wasn't until 1902 uh, that we picked up um, uh, presidential protection. And it was after McKinley was shot in 1901, mm. so which spurred that. And in 1902, we started doing, we'd had a dual mission. We've had a dual mission ever since. So every every agent that starts his his or her career is in a field office, and uh, you investigate um, anything from counterfeit currency. It could be a protective intelligence, a threat against the president. Um, it could be uh, some sort of bank fraud. I know that there's some COVID um, fraud that's going on. That the uh, really? field offices, yes, the field offices are very busy right now trying to combat some of that fraud. Um, I would never expect that the Secret Service would yep. be in charge of tracking that kind of stuff yep. down. Yep, they get uh, they they're very involved in that. Um, is it like hospitals or? Uh, I don't know. Is I'm not in that in the field office right now. Right. But the uh, friends that I have I've talked to out there, they're they're saying that they're they're really big on it right now. Um, and then as well, you do. Um, uh, protection, you know, let's say that, um, you know, you're in Baltimore and the president comes to Baltimore, right? Yeah. So you've got to use some agents from that field office, from that district to do the advance to match up with the president's detail sure. um, or the vice president's detail or whatever. And uh, so you could be doing some advance work um, or like we had mentioned earlier, there's a foreign dignitary that comes into town and you might be on a rotation to go uh, 
go be on the president of Turkmenistan, you know, his detail or whatever. <laughs> right. um, I say that because I was on his detail and I got a yellow tie out of it. It was pretty funny. Oh, but um, yeah, uh, stuff like that. And and so you 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 do a, a plethora of investigations and protection in your first field office. Um, and then after a couple of years, then you go do your um, uh, protection time. So that's awesome. Yeah, it changes a little bit. the The career track changes a little bit every um, every couple of years, um, especially with the needs of the the president's detail and vice president's detail. Um, depending if they need more or less, you know, with President Obama, um, he had two daughters and a wife, and you know mm-hmm. that was it. Um, president Trump. He's got huge his family. kid, huge family, yeah. right? And uh, so it, 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 it fluctuates, you know. Sure. Uh, when, when Vice President Biden was in, he had a pretty extensive family. So the, the president's detail wasn't as uh, demanding as it was with the vice president's detail. And then, you know, it flips, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we've had several conversations kind of leading up to this interview. And um, one of the things that you told me was that on detail or on the job, you've eaten some some pretty interesting <laughs> things. What, what is okay. the weirdest thing that you've you've ever eaten? And then uh, I, I I have some stuff to show to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the weirdest thing that I've ever eaten, um, well, it was two things, and it was at the same time actually. It was a uh, um, the Secretary of Treasury uh, Paul O'Neill uh, under uh, President Bush um, went to a couple different countries, and uh, one of them I think was Kyrgyzstan. And we happened to uh, go to a farm collective, and he was inside talking to some people, and we were outside, and uh, with their secret service, if you will, and uh, they opened up this van and popped this little uh, uh, table with a little tablecloth, and they put <laughs> they had vodka and they had wine, and they were like, "Well, we can't do any of that," but they brought out all this food, and some of the food was I I had dried horse. Oh, and then right. I had uh, raw eel. All right. Yeah. What? Um. Which Which one did you like more? <laughs> I like the horse better. Um. And you I like the horse. Yeah. And I've been uh, to um, uh, South Africa, and okay. we tried some different stuff down there. So it was a. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, tried what, some different what stuff. Kind of different stuff. I think it was. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I think it was Urdu or. Whatever that uh, Urdu, okay. Urdu is that right? It's, is it, uh, uh, it's like a gazelle. Yeah, it? like a yeah, gazelle. Okay. Right. Yep. Okay. I had, I had much worse things. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> no. No. I, uh, some friends I didn't, but uh, I've had friends that had giraffe. Said it was very good. Giraffe. I don't, right. I don't think I'd want to eat a giraffe, but see, I would think that it'd be like really muscly, especially like that neck. Like you got it, because that's a lot of weight to know. keep up. I don't know. Depends on which cut it is, right? That's weird. So I actually have some some jerkies here. All right. That you know, of course, I'd, I'd love for you to try. So absolutely, we're gonna start do you get to tell here. me what it is first? Do you? Yeah. How do you? I wanna, prefer if you tell me what it you is. You want to know what it yeah, is? Okay. Is, so this is some venison. Okay. That we're gonna try. Love so venison. so we're starting off kind of easy. Okay. Get some pieces over there. You don't have to eat all of it. I've never had venison. So really? Yeah. Hmm. I've never been hunting. I want to go, but never been hunting. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll have to fix that. So to me, this just tastes like like beef. A lot of spices. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Yeah. See, that tastes like cow to me. That doesn't taste. That really? Doesn't taste like anything else to me. What do you What do you taste when you taste that? I taste the spices. Just the spices. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's pretty strong. It's a lot. Let's try the next. It's good one. though. All right. This next one, it's pretty normal as well. This is elk. Elk. I've had 
Uh, I've had a lot of elk. I like elk. Have you hunted elk? I have not. Where'd you have elk? A friend of mine from college lived in Wyoming, and uh, I asked him to send me some buffalo. So he sent me some buffalo along <laughs> with a bunch of elk steaks. And I was like, dude, that was way too much. He's like, you have no idea how much meat is on an elk. It's because they weigh like a couple hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so we used to go to um, uh, Jackson, Wyoming. Okay. And yeah. uh, Vice President Cheney would go out there. Nice. So I spent a lot of time out there, and that's a beautiful place. And the elk are all over the place. It's really? gorgeous, gorgeous place. Yeah, get a nice elk yep. burger. Mm -hmm. This to me tastes. I'm definitely tasting like a more like deer mm -hmm. taste to me. It's not. It doesn't taste the same as like the beef. I don't think. No, but that's uh, that's like a. Uh, that's not really it's jerky. That's like, like a, a uh, that stick. stick the, yeah, it's yeah, like a, like a slim jim or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna we're gonna start going off the trail a little bit. This is okay. wild boar. Wild boar. Oh, I've had wild boar. I love that. Mm. Definitely different. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of sweet. It is. Very sweet. It's good. It's interesting. So they're having huge issues with wild boar in like the south. Like they're ripping everything up. Mm -hmm. I almost went hunting wild boar down there once. I've got a, um, I got a friend in Virginia that hunts them. Really? Yeah. It is sweet. It is, um, yeah. It's good. Might be just the, the stick. I don't know. So now I can, I can. I've had wild say, boar in Italy, in Poland. Yeah. It's got to be good in Italy. Mm. That's it's not a that's prosciutto, right? That's what they make prosciutto out of? I don't know about that. I don't think so. I'm like failing. I'm, I'm actually ham. Italian, I swear. But. Prosciutto's ham, I think. Is it just normal ham or is it is it like a wild boar ham? No, I think I, it's normal okay. ham. Okay, someone told me. I don't know who told me. Someone told me that, that prosciutto was wild boar. Okay, we're going to get a little reptilian now. Okay, I this hate is, reptiles, by the way. This is uh, this is alligator. Alligator. Oh, I've had alligator before. So you, you've, Gator. you've had everything before? No, <laughs> not everything. It's very chewy. A lot of gators in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It is chewy. That's where you were a cop, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Six and a half years down in Charleston. So, a lot of gator burgers down there? A lot of gators <laughs> down there. No, I don't. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> but they're all over the golf courses. Yeah. That's pretty good. I You know, I kind of like that oh, one. Yeah. It was it's not little, bad. It's a little weird yeah, to it tastes like chicken. that you're doing that, but that it's a gator and I, I've also worked with a lot of alligators like because I've done a bunch of the, the yeah uh, aren't you into like the stuff. reptiles and everything yeah I see I like I mean we and then you're the, eating we them? got the gator skull up there I just I feel bad like he was yeah. like watching me he's like you're eating my cousin right now right it's not really mm -hmm. all right this is an ostrich oh ostrich so it's have you had ostrich I don't, I don't know I think we found something that you haven't eaten yet A little dry. It is dry. Mm -hmm. The alligator was really moist. Mm-hmm. A little dry. It's good, though. I don't know that I would go with that again. No. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's kind of a weird animal to eat, but at least it's like, it's like a bird. Like, you're eating... This one... I struggle with this one. I've never had this. This is so, you mentioned that you've never been to Australia. Guess what? You just have, we have some kangaroo. Kangaroo? Oh. And it's, it's kind of wet too. It's a little It weird. is a little greasy. There's paper towel up there if you need that. Good. That's kangaroo. Yeah, so I don't like that. 
Hmm. So immediately what I'm tasting, it tastes like fish. You get that? Like a... Yeah. Like a rockfish. Yeah, some... Yep. That's really weird. Have yeah. you, you've never had kangaroo, though? Kind. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't think, think I'd, I'd have, have that again. again. <laughs> nope. Nope. Jinx, you owe me a tour of the White House. Ooh, can't do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep working on it. They're so, stopped with those. So, because of... they're, they're totally done with them right now. Yep. Okay, so... Yep. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you've hopefully tried a couple animals that you've never eaten before. <laughs> Even, I mean, I can't top dried horse or giraffe, but but at least now you've tried kangaroo. So yeah, you can say that, that you've done that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. All right, guys, and that is going to do it for my episode with Kurt Lewis, Secret Service Agent. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, your support makes it possible for me to do what I love to do, which is sitting right here interviewing really cool people and then giving that to you guys. So I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to listen to our other episodes, you can do that on our website. Got to plug it. Chris and I spent a lot of time. We just revamped the whole thing. All of our episodes are there as well as links. So you can go listen to them on any platform you want. It's super uh, intuitive, user-friendly. It's really awesome. So please go check that out. And we made it super easy for you. It's at the same domain name, www.totspodcast.com. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, felt eh about this episode, want to be on the show, know somebody that should be on the show, please send me an email. I want to hear all that stuff. Give me all the feedback. Reach out to me for literally whatever. My email is marketwithben at gmail.com. Please send me your feedback. Uh, we would really like to know what you guys think of the show. And especially if you have an idea for a guest or you yourself wants to come on, please do send me an email. We will have you on if you're interesting enough. Guys, again, thank you so much. Please check us out on YouTube. If you listen to this episode, YouTube is going to be your best friend because it's so much more entertaining to watch these. Everything will be uploaded on YouTube just at the same time that all of the normal episode and audio and all that is uploaded. So please go check that out. Follow us on social media at TotsCast. I'm out of time. Thank you guys so much. I love you and I'll see you next week.